A passion for shooting and hunting drives product innovation at Hodgden Powder Company. Hodgden is the leader in reloading information for enthusiasts and newcomers alike with the Reloading Data Center. HodgdenReloading.com. Hey, welcome back to Gun Talk. I'm Tom Gresham. Number here, 866-TALK-GUN. Pretty easy. Or just Tom Talk Gun. That's even easier. You want to join us? We're talking about pretty much everything, but right now, focusing a little good bit about the massacre at Uvalde, the school, police reaction, and just it just gets into this big old hornet's nest beehive of, of stuff, trying to decipher that. And, and part of that, it's actually a big part of that, is what can you do? What should you do? Are guns, here's a real question for you, are guns actually effective for self-defense? Because we're told by the media all the time, yeah, no, you'll only hurt yourself. You'll get it taken away from you. Yada, 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 all the stuff. We know the data. We know that people use guns in self-defense more than a million times a year. All the surveys pretty much support that. I think the average of all the surveys is about 1.6 million times a year. So the question is, how should we look at this? And maybe more important, what should our takeaways be on an individual basis, we could talk about societal, but sometimes I think it's more useful to boil it down because I can't take care of society. I can take care of me, or at least I can try to take care of me. It's a real pleasure to bring in a friend of mine, a longtime friend. He's, the, he's been, frankly, one of the prime conduits of information about self-defense with guns for decades. 20 years ago when I created the show personal defense TV, first TV show about self-defense with guns. He's the first guy I call. I said, I got to have you on the show. Uh, joined right now by writer, TV guy, video guy, book author, and trainer par excellence, Masada Yub. My friend, Mass, how you doing? It's good to hear your voice again, Tom. It was good to see you at the uh, NRA show last week. Yes. Yes. I was sad there was such a light turnout, but uh, there were a lot of reasons for that. Yep, no, no kidding. So let me ask you, I mean, you know, you've got a background as a police officer, as an expert witness. You have been there in many, many trials about, uh, you know, use of lethal force. As you look, and, and obviously trained thousands and thousands upon people of, in self-defense with firearms, as you look at this story coming out of Uvalde, and as each day we seem like peel back another layer do you have kind of an overall sense at this point of a feeling about the whole thing? Well, overall, a uh, sense of deja vu. Uh, back in the 1970s, Tom, in Israel, after the Milad massacre where the school children were murdered by terrorists, they put in place a volunteer uh, armed uh, protective program in all the schools. Many of them were teachers and school staff. Many were also uh, friends and family who had kids in those schools. And those volunteers uh, were trained by the Israeli Civil Guard, armed with 9mm pistols. And from then on, there, was, there has never been another Maylot massacre. Uh, whenever it's been attempted, uh, the terrorist was down in the first seconds with a bullet in the head. And uh, that, that horror story was never repeated on Israeli land. Uh, we've seen something similar over the years in Peru and in the Philippines. Here, the National Education Administration and a whole lot of teachers' unions have just had the knee-jerk reaction, oh, my God, uh, we can't be armed. 
And what, what people have to understand is that what the enemy is the time-space continuum. Yes. Uh, 328 million people in America and only 800,000 cops, only some of whom are on duty at any given moment. Average police response time, fire and emergency medical response time nationwide runs as high as 11 minutes. Uh, in Sandy Hook, it was less than four minutes, but there were still 20 dead children and six dead adults. Mm-hmm. So the the principle is to recognize that the defensive firearm is a direct analog to a fire extinguisher. It's a direct analog to the individual responsibility to know first aid, CPR, Heimlich maneuver, control the bleed, things of that nature. Uh, Our society figured out a long time ago, if grandma's heart stops beating, after five minutes, she's irreversibly brain dead. And if it takes 11 minutes to get the ambulance attendants there, she's doomed. Mm-hmm. If we can keep her going until they get there, she's going to live. We figured out a long time ago when that fire blooms on the kitchen stove, in 11 minutes the entire home is going to be involved and everybody inside is going to be dead from thermal burns or smoke inhalation. And America figured out if there's a fire extinguisher right there in the kitchen, the person who's there when that fire flares can simply kill it in its nest and the only damage is a little smoke damage on the ceiling and maybe you need a new stove. The defensive firearm is exactly the same. It's an emergency life-saving rescue tool for the first responder. And the first responder is not the cop, the firefighter, the paramedic. Those are the .gov first responders. The real-world first responder is those of us ordinary people who are there, know what to do, and in this case, most important, have the equipment to do what needs to be done. And let me add this, my friend. There are going to be those who say, oh, gosh, he's going all anti-cop. You have worn the uniform. So just I want people to get off the whole idea of you saying, well, you can't depend on the cops because you know what really happens. And I don't want anybody to say, oh, God, there goes Ayub again with his anti-cop. And from a guy who has worn the uniform, I don't think you ever have been anti-cop. Well, no one's ever successfully accused me of that. But the point <laughs> is, the, the citizen who needs the cop has to survive long enough to summon them and hold the line against death until they can get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't have a cop on every doorstep. That would be the Gestapo. That would be the Stasi. That would be the KGB. No one wants that. Mm-hmm. But people have to be able not to face a trend crime like this. The we, we didn't have school shootings, for God's sake, when you and I were growing up. 1966, the atrocity occurred at the uh, Texas Tower at the University of Texas, and never happened again for years. It was a, it was a one-off black swan event. Right. But then, uh, 1999, we had Columbine, and what we also had by then was a media that aggrandized the killers. Uh, the two little murderers of Columbine that killed 13 innocent kids and wounded many more wound up on the cover of Time and Newsweek. We live in a society that, you know, we, we joke about singing the song, want to see my smiling face on the cover of the Rolling Stone. Rolling mm-hmm. Stone puts Sarnev, the Boston bomber, on their cover. We have now a growing subculture of twisted, thwarted losers that before maybe would have just suicided by themselves or gone into the woods and died. But now they they know for weeks on end They'll be every minute on CNN. They'll they'll go out in their sick blaze of glory. 
they they can be celebrities by by doing this, and we make them celebrities exactly. through, through the media. And the same media that's cursing us gun owners and trying to blame innocent gun owners is the media that has given them the avenue and has literally, in many ways, created the situation. Now, when you have a trend crime, old old methods won't work. You, the, the saying in the military is, don't fight the last war, fight the next one. Right. right. If we know these sick, thwarted losers have been told by CNN, all you got to do is go out and buy an AR-15, shoot a bunch of helpless, defensive defenseless people in a gun-free zone who can't fight back, and you'll be famous, and other sick weirdos like you will worship you whether you live or die. Damn it, the, the paradigm has changed. We can't put a cop on every doorstep. <clears throat> we need to, There will be volunteers in every school system who have the courage to do what has to be done and volunteer for programs like this. In places like Ohio, Florida, Texas, where the armed uh, school faculty thing is in place, and it has been publicized. None of those places has yet had an attack, because right. none of these sick losers, they might want to die in their blaze of glory and say, look, it took a SWAT team to kill me. None of them wants to get shot in the back of the head by Miss Grundy, the history teacher. Well, and to, and to put a point on it, people say, well, what can we do about these people? I said, well, you know, it's really not that complicated. You shoot the little SOB. That's what you do. Well, there's that. And prior to that, we have to look back. The same self-described progressives who uh, want to ban firearms ownership are the very same people who half a century ago began the deinstitutionalization of mental health. Yes, we have now less, less than 10% of the, of the beds and psychiatric wards that we had when you and I were young. And the people who there would have been treated there, if they were untreatable, would at least have been kept away from society, society safe from them, and them safe from the people who would have to kill them if they attempted to murder children. That no longer exists. Talk to anyone who has a loved one in, mm -hmm. in mental health crisis, and they'll tell you what a nightmare it is to get to as long as even a 72-hour hold on someone mm -hmm. who's acting out. Now, the entire mental health system uh, in the area of the dangerous mental health patients truly needs to be revamped, but it's not politically correct to admit that. Hold on a second here, Mr. Tyler. I need to hold you over just a second here. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit about what can people individually do if they want to increase their safety and maybe say, okay, if I get into a situation like, situation like this, what can I do? Masada you, of course, teaches exactly that, one of the finest trainers in the country. Our number is 866-TALK-GUN. We'll be right back. The Hellcat from Springfield Armory is still the smallest, highest capacity micro-compact in the world. Available in standard or optics-ready configurations, class-leading capacity of the Hellcat gives you 11 plus 1 with the standard magazine and 13 plus 1 with the included extended mag. The definitive concealed carry pistol is here. The Hellcat from Springfield Armory gives you the capacity to defend. 
Born in Sweden in 1902, Norma, a brand synonymous with quality and innovation, celebrates 120 years of providing premium ammunition throughout the globe. In Savannah, Georgia, Norma USA carries that tradition on with an even wider range of shooting disciplines. Norma's monolithic hollow point, or MHP, offers extreme consistency and predictability in a solid copper cold-formed projectile. Lightweight and reliable. Try Norma MHP ammunition today. Normashooting.com. Visit guntalk.com slash win to enter Guntalk's latest giveaway. Two grand prize winners will receive the Rock Island Armory TM-22 20 or 18 inch rifle with $200 of Norma USA's TAC-22 ammunition. Three additional winners will receive $200 of Norma USA's NXD or MHP defensive ammunition. Enter now through June 30th at guntalk.com slash win. Visit Brownells.com for the best parts, tools, and accessories to get your build on. Building an AR? Brownells has the best uppers, lowers, barrels, handguards, and parts. What about a custom pistol build? Brownells has both 80% and complete handgun frames, slides, and barrels to make your handgun what you want. Brownells also has articles and videos to help you build and customize your firearms. Go to Brownells.com and start your gun build today. Talking with Masada Yub, uh, author, magazine writer, uh, expert in pretty much everything firearms related, and a great trainer. Masada, I was just as we went to the break, I was thinking about you know as we we're looking at the whole uh, Uvalde situation and everything else. A lot of people are going, okay, yeah, but what about me individually? Is there something I can do? And people are being told continuously, and you know you're familiar with this. They're being told. Your self-defense gun is actually not protection. It actually just endangers everybody around you. you but on the other uh, hand, for like decades and decades, you've been teaching people how to take care of themselves. Yeah, that, that's simply a, a myth put forward by weak people who can't envision themselves fighting criminals. Uh, the, the history of it has been a number of these incidents have been stopped by armed private citizens. And the only reasons that more of them haven't been is because so many of them take place apparently deliberately in gun-free zones. Predators seek prey. You notice how seldom anybody tries to shoot up a police station where they know everybody (laughs) inside is carrying a loaded gun. Right, or or the NRA conventions. Yeah, exactly. And uh, you and I were both there. They were literally screaming hysterically and unintelligibly at us from, you know, their their megaphones across the street. But yep. none of them were stupid enough to come over and say, gee, I'll shoot you up with the AR-15 we want to ban and make an example of it. Right. So, uh, I the, mean, the you, you study these, you, you actually study the accounts of self-defense with guns. And I know you have to have had at least some of your students through the years have actually had to use their guns, haven't they? Yes. Uh, one of them stopped a uh, mass murder at an abortion clinic in Massachusetts some years ago. Uh, he heard the gunfire, uh, happened to be on the premises, uh, ran to it, shot the uh, the attacker, and stopped the killing and saved God knows how many lives. Now, as a general rule, because he happened to work there and felt a responsibility to do that. Mm-hmm. One thing we have to look at, if we are in a situation where we're, say, in a gun-free zone shopping mall or something, um, 
if we draw the gun when after people have heard gunfire screams and someone screaming, oh, my God, he's killing and everyone is stampeding. When you pull your gun, you uh, someone is very likely to mistake you as the threat, not to rescue. Mm-hmm. Yes. So first thing, do not draw the gun until you have found and identified the threat and absolutely positively identified. The other concern we have, and it's gotten good guys tragically killed, is we don't know who the other good guys are if they're not wearing uniforms and they're not wearing badges. Uh, absolutely. Once you threat. I was just going to say, and it's one of those things where I, I, people in my family know. I said, look, I'm not there to save the world, and, but if it's kids being shot, I'm going in. I'm, and I understand that there's a really good chance I'm going to end up being shot by the bad guy, another good guy, or a cop. I, I get that, but at least there's something. there's some things that I won't just sit back and let happen. Well, I totally agree with you. For, for most people, to run away is plan A. To, uh, to hide as plan B. But if you have the wherewithal, you want to turn that run-hide-fight paradigm around. Turn it around on the killer, and if we fight, make him run and hide, we'll save a whole lot more lives. The sooner he is put down, the sooner he is, distinct, is extinguished, his threat is extinguished, the fewer deaths there are going to be. Um, those of us with emergency medical training will feel impelled to stop and perhaps apply a pressure dressing or something to a wounded person. Mm-hmm. But the handful of people who might be armed and capable of stopping him, the greater good comes from one of those people finding and neutralizing the threat. But I teach my folks, don't draw the gun until you've positively identified that specific threat. Once you put it down, do a tactical reload in case he has an accomplice, get the damn thing put away. Because people are going to hear gunfire and screams. Maybe somebody who got there late sees you kill the bad guy. They don't know who's who, and they right. think you're the killer, and they shoot you. And we, we've seen it happen. We saw it happen in Arvada. Yeah. We've seen it happen in Illinois. We've seen it happen elsewhere. Right. And let me say this. We can talk about this on the radio, and we can write about it. We can do all that. But this is, you know, it's not like rocket science, but it is a bit complicated, and it's why people go take classes, and I encourage them to. You might just talk about your classes that you offer and, and the value of what you teach there. Sure. We uh, we train uh, the law-abiding armed citizen. Uh, you, uh, we teach around the country. The classes range from 20 to 40 hours. Uh, go to masadayubgroup.com. That's M-A-S-S-A-D-A-Y-O-O group.com and you can probably find something in the striking distance of you uh, somewhere if you live anywhere in the continental United States but that said there's lots of excellent training you can find around the country and your local gun shop can probably steer you there the key thing is to have the commitment to know first the safety element because whether or not you ever need to draw it you are going to be living with that thing for the rest of your life and you're going to be handling it sometimes when you're exhausted or under stress loading it, unloading it, taking it out, putting it away, putting it on. And you're going to be doing that in the presence of the people you most love, the presence of the people you bought the gun to protect. So safety has to come first and Mm -hmm. has to be ingrained hard. Know when you can and cannot carry it, and much more important, when you can and cannot use it. Uh, A Google search under my name will find a couple of books on that topic. Uh, a Google search for Andrew Branca, B-R-A-N-C-A. I will find his excellent book, Law of Self-Defense. 
And I would recommend either or, frankly, both. You might be able to get them for free through your library. Ah, uh, but certainly okay. they're available on Amazon. But the more training you have in anything, whether it's uh, emergency first aid, uh, skid control, and other elements of emergency driving, the better off you're going to be. And if mm-hmm. it turns out that you never need it, well, it's not that you wasted the time, because what you got from yeah. it was peace of mind. Peace of mind and confidence as you go through the day. I wanted one other thing. I just wanted to mention that people should uh, catch you on, as I know you're doing some videos and doing some things with uh, Wilson Combat these days, and they're excellent. I just want to congratulate you on what you're doing there. Oh, thank you. Yeah, your, your listeners can find those on YouTube under Wilson Combat. Uh, there are several of us, myself, uh, Bill Wilson himself, Ken Hackathorn, Larry Vickers, uh, lots more, and there's there's lots of good knowledge bombs there available for free. Absolutely, quite, quite the lineup. And uh, again, it's Massad Ayub Group, M-A-S-S-A-D-A-Y-O-O-B group.com. Take a look at it. If there's a class near you, I cannot recommend this more highly. Massad, thank you for what you do, and thanks for your time here. Uh, thank you for all you're doing, Tom, to educate the public. It's uh, probably more important knowledge than ever today. Well, thank you, sir. You take care. That's uh, my friend Masada Ayub. you. Um, yeah. Any, uh, literally any of his books uh, are worthwhile, and his videos are, are excellent. And he was the first guy I called when I said, I'm going to create a show, a TV show about self-defense with guns, training for this. Who will I get? I said, well, we're going to shoot a bunch of it at Gunsight, and we're going to use their instructors, and we're going to bring in Masada Ayub. And frankly, there's not much more I needed to do. I mean, we have a show at that point. And it was, uh, we put it together very quickly. I created the concept. I ran the show. I hosted it. And we had several years of being able to present this information to people who had never been exposed to it before, who never had any idea, didn't even know there were places like Gunsight and SIG Academy and, and Masada Yub's training and all and I think we're talking 20, 25 years ago, it really helped start the ball rolling on a lot of people saying, okay, I'm going to take responsibility for my own safety. And part of that is saying, I'm going to spend the money and the time to get the training that I know I need. First step is understanding that I don't know enough about it. We all need to say that occasionally. All right, 866-TALK-GUN is our number here. Anything on your mind, we're going to be open lines for you right now. If you bought a gun, tell me about it. When we come back, I'll tell you about the one I just got. It's a doozy. Is it bad that I'm over here on Gun Broker? Well, I'm during the break. I don't know. who. Maybe. Hey, welcome again. I'm Tom Gresham. <laughs> we're back with you. It's Gun Talk. Yeah, I bought a gun off a of Gun Broker last week. Stop me if you've heard this one before. Yeah, here we are again. <laughs> It was a Colt uh, light rifle. It was one that was designed by Melvin Forbes. We'll actually have Melvin on the show here shortly. Um, a lightweight 300 Magnum with scope. I put it on the scale, six and a half pounds, really sweet. And no, I don't need that. I need like a hole in the head. But, you know, it's one of those, yes, get that thing. And it was just sitting there not going for a whole lot of money and bought it. So now I have it. <laughs> I don't even have a single round of 300 Win Mag around, so i got to go find that. Crazy, huh? And anyway, we'll, we'll get more about that as I get a chance to shoot it. Uh, our number 866-TALK-GUN. Let's see here. Uh, Bruce has called in from Virginia City, Nevada with a range report for us. Bruce, you're on Gun Talk. Hey, thanks, Tom. Nice to talk to you again. Uh, you bet. 
got a chance to shoot my GT25. I love it. Okay, well, let me let me give the background here. GT25 is the uh, kind of commemorative gun that we created uh, working with folks at Ruger and Lipsy's. It's a commander size steel 1911 and 10 millimeter. It's got some pretty blue grips on it. Uh, we did a run and then ran out of those, and so we got Ruger said they would do a few more for us. And I'm looking right now on the Dury's website and on Gunbroker. It looks like they've got 14 currently available. All right, so when did you get it, and tell me about shooting it. I got it about three weeks ago, and I, I called in. I was expecting to get it the next day, which I did. Uh, then I did have a chance to shoot it, but I was unable, unable to call in last weekend. Uh, it shoots great. I've never owned a 10. I have shot a few, and I've liked them, but I've never mm-hmm. shot a 10 in 1911. So I, I'm, I'm just really happy with it. Talk about when you first get it and you open the the package and you got this red box and you open the red box. That's just one cool package, isn't it? Oh yeah, it's I. I probably can't say on the radio what my words were, but it was it, it's awesome. It, it's, it's beautiful. <laughs> it feels good. The the triggers great. Uh, it, it just feels good. It's a great gun. I I really really like it. Okay, uh, you know, and you probably had people say the same thing they say to me, which is oh. It's a commander size. It's a smaller 1911. It's in 10 millimeter. I bet that thing just kicks like crazy, right? Yeah, hardly at all. I mean, it doesn't kick anywhere near. I have a couple of commanders in 45 and a couple of full size in 45. And no, it, it hardly kicks at all with what I'm shooting through it anyway. Isn't, target loads. Isn't, it, for now. isn't that weird? I, I've had so many people shoot mine and go, well, that just doesn't kick at all. It's just. You know, and I don't know if it's that we're thinking it's going to kick and we're going to we hold it more tightly or, or what it is, but I just think the darn thing is a sweetheart and just fun to shoot. So tell me, you know, when you say it shoots really great, how, what distances have you shot it and what kind of accuracy are you getting? Uh, I've probably only shot out to about 10 yards so far. I put a box of shells through it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you could cover them all with a three-inch circle. Maybe some of them mm. shot fast, some of them slow. But it, wow. it, 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 it shoots where I'm aiming. There's no doubt about it. The sights are easy to see for my old eyes. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's a good thing, too. Yeah, the front sight, I'd spec that one out to have a bright tritium sight. So it's bright in the daytime, bright at night. Um, it just works really well. What's the plan on this one? Are you going to just shoot it at the range? Are you Are going to carry it? What, what are you going to be doing? Uh, I'm going to carry I'm, ret- I'm retired law enforcement. I carry a, a variety of guns, so some days I'll carry it, not every day necessarily, but I, right. I feel comfortable carrying it. I don't have a problem carrying it. It's, it's oh, yeah. not what? particularly heavy, certainly lighter than a regular 1911. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll use it. I will definitely Good use deal. it. Good deal. Well, terrific. We're going to have uh, and look, I appreciate the call and the range report. It is um, unsolicited, but I very much appreciate it. It's a great pistol. I am so happy with it. Everybody who has one seems to like it. Um, during the, and thank you for the call, sir. I'll go ahead and tease this now. During the after show, we're going to tell you a story. Our, our good friend and colleague here, Tom Hennig, uh, was in a pretty serious car accident a week or so ago. He, he's going to be okay. He'll be all right. He's not here right now because he's recovering. But he's going to be okay. But part and parcel, I'll just tease it this way. We'll give you the whole story. Jim can fill you in. Part and parcel of it, part of this terrible car wreck involved a GT25. I know. Sounds weird, right? Okay. Well, but we'll, we'll give that information as we go along here. When we hit, when we hit the after show, we'll be able to talk about that a good bit. By, by the way, you want to thank uh, our fill-in because Michelle isn't here and Tom obviously couldn't be here. 
And uh, Bree, the lovely Bree, is uh, handling the phones for us today. I just want to do a shout out for her. So when you call, you go, hi, Michelle. No, it's not Michelle. It's Bree. But uh, she's handling the phones quite well for us. So we appreciate that. All right, Travis and Bob, don't go anywhere. I'm going to take a quick break. When I come back, we'll bring you in. And we also have room for somebody else. If you want to join us right now, 866-TALK-GUN. ATN offers Smart HD, Ultra HD, Thermal and Night Vision Rifle Scopes, Binoculars, Monoculars, Range Finders, and more for hunters, outdoor enthusiasts, military, and law enforcement. With features like Bluetooth Wi-Fi, Extended Battery Life, Ultra HD Sensor Resolution, and Full HD Video Recording, cutting-edge technology meets quality parts in every ATN product. The future of optics is already here. Find your next optic at ATNCorp.com. Celebrating 75 years of innovation wasn't enough for Timney Triggers. Timney decided to go big and introduce a game-changing Alpha Competition Series trigger for handguns, a first for the company. Currently available for Glock Gen 3s, 4s, and 5s, these new triggers offer a 3-pound trigger weight and crisp trigger brake designed to keep you on target. And like all Timney Triggers, are easy to install and come with a lifetime warranty. Find out more at TimneyTriggers.com. Your gun rights are under attack as never before. Joe Biden's administration has promised to rip away your constitutional rights, making good on the promises they made to the gun ban lobby. It's time to get off the sidelines and get in the fight. The Second Amendment Foundation's actions in dozens of landmark lawsuits have pushed back these gun grabs, but we need your help. Join and support the Second Amendment Foundation. Go to saf.org. That's saf.org. Kimber Rapide 1911s. Heart racing. Jaw dropping. Hard hitting. If their appearance alone has this effect, imagine firing one. Three highly customized handguns the original Rapide 1911, the Rapide Dawn, and Rapide Scorpius, each with a look and personality all its own, and performance to match. Get a look, then find out where to get yours at KimberAmerica.com. Like I should add, um, we were talking about the GT25, the 10 millimeter 1911 that we designed, spec out at least. Had uh, it's built in the Ruger Custom Shop. It's a handmade gun, really nice gun. Over at Dury'sGuns.com, they showing they're showing they have 14 of them left. And as they say, when they're gone, they're gone. Uh, Dury's Gun, D-U-R-Y-S, Dury'sGuns.com. It's pretty spectacular, gorgeous looking thing. One of the things I do, and we were talking with our last caller about carrying it as a daily carry. Um, in addition, it comes with three magazines, which I think is great. I add more magazines, and I really like the Wilson Combat mags. Uh, they're nine-round magazines. So it's nine plus one, so you got ten shots of ten millimeter with that, plus whatever backup mags you carry. And by the way, if you're carrying a gun for personal protection, you need extra magazines. You just do. If you don't understand why, call me. I'll, I'll fill you in on it. But there it is. So anyway, just kind of throw that out that you can get nine-round mags for your GT25. 866-TALK-GUN gets you in here. Travis is on line three coming out of Shreveport, Louisiana. Travis, thanks for your patience. Welcome to Gun Talk. 
Thank you, Tom. Uh, just wanted to tell you, long-time listener, Ben, uh, appreciate everything you uh, talk about. <clears throat> um, been listening to you for, I don't know, forever, it seems like. but uh, <laughs> Okay, well, thank you. you. You get a lot of us in trouble out here. My wife, she'll call me sometimes and say, what are you doing? I tell her I'm listening to gun talk. She said, turn it off. You don't need another gun. <laughs> uh, you know, one, one of the last guns that I, that I got, uh, I think you had the president of uh, Ruger on, and they were making a new Marlin uh, 4570s. And I'm a big 4570 fan. Have uh, Back in when Marlin was originally Marlin, uh, I collected all the XLR laminated stock. Stainless right. barrels and everything, and I heard that episode, and I was like, I've got to have one. So, uh, search and search, got a local dealer here to find me one. I actually took it to the range about two months ago, and absolutely love it. So, just isn't that a nice rifle? They they did that such is, a good yes, job sir. with that. I love that rifle. That is an excellent rifle. And absolutely love it. Actually, when I was looking at it, I'm a big Ruger fan, so I was looking at Ruger other firearms and found the PC Charger, uh, the 9mm, and actually <laughs> paired both of them to the range at the same time, so I had a fun day. Well, Travis, you know, I always say that the three most expensive words we can utter are, might as well. My, yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> You look over and see another gun and go, oh, well, I'm already in the gun store. Might as well, right? Might as well. <laughs> there you Just go. one more. Yes, sir. Well, thank you for the call. I appreciate that. I'm glad you're enjoying that rifle, that uh, that Ruger. They call it the SBL, Stainless Big Loop. And now they just brought out the Trapper, the shorter version, 16-inch barrel. It just looks great. Let's grab uh, Bob out of uh, Bailey, Colorado. I believe that is in line five. Hey, Bob. Yes, good afternoon, sir. Yes, sir. I would like to know what happened to the 13 minutes this man was outside the building shooting at the, bu- shooting at the building and shooting at the, uh, the funeral home. People on the street. Uh, I think a lot of us would like to know a lot about what was happening. And unfortunately, uh, it appears that in Uvalde, the police department and the folks involved are kind of being closed mouth about it and... I think they're circling the wagons, and that worries me a lot. I think they're trying to – they moved into big-time CYA mode, and it's going to make yes, it harder to that. find out what's going on. Yes, sir, I hear that. I hear that all the time. They're inside the building all the time, inside the building. They're never outside the building trying to make this man stop killing him. Well, and uh, I gather yeah. that the Department of Justice, the U.S. Department of Justice, is going to do an investigation, incident or response investigation. So, you know, keep my fingers crossed. We'll actually end up finding out what went on. And we, we know enough. And look, I appreciate the call, sir. We know enough at this point to know how horribly wrong it went. I mean, it's a horrible situation. I get that. But for it to take more than an hour to go in, unconscionable. Just unconscionable. Let's go talk to Maurice. He's in Lake Charles, Louisiana on two. Maurice, thank you for your call, sir. What's on your mind? Well, before I get to what I want to talk about, I want to uh, say this first. I, 
I had met you and your dad a number of years ago in your dad's house. I was doing some video work with Ken Shimada up there, and you walked oh, yeah. in, and like I told the call screener, I said, he was a lot thinner then, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah but, and I wasn't uh, nearly I, as great either. I, I didn't get a chance to ask your dad <laughs> what happened to the rest of the elephant. I saw the foot there, but we were so busy I didn't get to that point. So <laughs> you might want to talk stool. about that in the future shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, the uh, the thing I want to talk about, I heard this week, they want to repeat the assault weapons ban. Well, during the assault weapons ban, I bought uh, a Colt AR-15, an Armalite, uh, Vepar, two DPMSs, and several other guns. And the only difference I could see it then uh, on what was being banned and what wasn't, I think, was flash suppressors and bayonet lugs on them. But honestly... If we just cha- are we really talking about assault weapons ban? Or are we talking about a furniture van? You know, um, well, it seems to be, learned, it seems to be the furniture on these rifles is what bothers them more than anything. Well, they learned their lesson with the Clinton gun ban, also known as the assault weapons ban. They said, well, you know, it's an assault weapon if it has a pistol grip and a flash suppressor, or if it has a bayonet lug, which did prevent all of the drive-by bayonettings that were going on at the time. Uh, as silly as that sounds, what they figured out was actually they just want to ban the guns entirely. And so, you know, Bill, uh, Bill Clinton did it. Joe Biden brags about he was the one who actually got this gun ban put into place. Now he wants to do it again. And he keeps talking about ban guns, ban guns, ban guns. And at the same time, all the people in the media are saying, don't worry, no one wants to take your guns away. You know, just very dismissive about us, about why are you people overreacting? No one wants to take your guns away. At the same time, they're going, ban guns, ban guns, ban guns. You're going, what's going on here? It's it's like the the guy who's smacking you around and beating on you and saying, you know, quit hitting me. It's pretty crazy. So, hey, Maurice, thanks for the call. I appreciate that. It's that's kind of where we are right now is. The PR department from the gun ban industry. That PR department is also identified as, oh, CNN, Washington Post, New York Times, general media, getting their talking points, repeating the same things, never asking a, a question. There's no skepticism. There's no cynicism. There's no saying, well, when you say assault weapon, what do you mean? When you say semi-auto, do you mean all semi-autos? When you say, if this is a weapon of war, can you name, here's a question for you, can you name a single military unit in the world that has issued AR-15s? I don't know of one. If it's not used by the military, how is it a weapon of war? And to put a finer point on it, if it is a weapon of war, that's fine. Because that's what we're supposed to have. The Second Amendment is about protecting ourselves and protecting our country against tyranny. What kind of firearm do you think you're going to need if you're going to do that? Mm, Oh, that makes people squirm. That makes them uncomfortable. I guarantee you. Ah, 866-TALK-GUN. If you want to be a part of this, give me a holler. We will pick it up. If you disagree with me, if you think I'm crazy, if you think I'm one of those gun nutters, I will give you the floor. 866-TALK-GUN. In fact, we'll move you right up to the head of the line. I'm Tom Gresham. Be right back with more Gun Talk. I have something coming up 
next week, actually next Saturday, June the 11th, I'll be one of the media people appearing at the 16th anniversary celebration of Jack O'Connor. Jack O'Connor, it'll be at the Jack O'Connor Hunting Heritage and Education Center in Lewiston, Idaho. I realize that a lot of people who are younger may not even know the name Jack O'Connor, but he was one of the premier hunting writers. And he is widely credited with the, the guy who popularized the 270 Winchester cartridge. He also liked the 257 Roberts, which I agree with very much so. Now, I recently had a 270, lightweight 270 built, and enjoying that one. It's kind of one of those deals. I, I talk about this. I think as you get more experience and as you hunt more, you realize that you don't really need the Super Magnum Blastomatic to take a deer or an elk or anything else. The 270, when you think about it, introduced in 1925, was really kind of the lower recoil version of the 30-06. Shot a little farther, shot a good bit faster, had a little bit less recoil, made it easier to hit things because of the less recoil. You hit them in the right place, and you got your animal. The reality is we have all these great cartridges these days. And today is, of course, 6-5 day. It's June the 5th. So we've got the 6.5 Creedmoor, the 6.5 PRC, the 6.5x55, the 260 Remington, the 6.5 Remington Magnum, the 264 Winchester Magnum, and a whole bunch of other 6.5 cartridges out there. Are any of them better than the others? I don't know. Define better. Um, 6.5 PRC shoots flatter. you got uh, Norma has its versions. Weatherby's got its versions. I mean, just the list goes on and on. It's a matter of how much powder do you want to burn, how fast do you want to shove the bullet, how much recoil are you willing to accept, how heavy a rifle will you carry, and ultimately you figure out there's no right answer, and we can go on and on about this one's better than that one. Is the 6.5 Creedmoor better than the 270? Oh, that's always a fun one to do, and Ron Spomer's done a good bit on that and does a good job with it. The answer is No. It's also no worse. It's not better. It's not worse. It's just another choice. What's really important, honestly, <laughs> can't sell magazines with this, and I've been in the magazine business all my life. You can't sell magazines by saying this cartridge is no better than the other one. The reality is, can you shoot it? Do you go to the range and shoot with your hunting rifle? Do you get off of the bench and practice shooting from a standing position, from a sitting position? Or prone position, leaning against a tree. Have you figured out what the max range is where you can hit a 10-inch paper plate? Because that's your range. All this talk about, oh, yeah, 900 yards. Really? Give me a break. Oh, look, here's the sad part that nobody wants to talk about. There's an awful lot of game animals that are wounded by people wanting bragging rights to shoot something at a long range. How about using some hunting skills to get closer? Ooh, how about that? You know what I really want to do this year? I want to go elk hunting with my handgun. I want to get within 100 yards. I feel comfortable. 50 yards, I feel absolutely positive. But I think it would be fun with a 44, maybe even a 41 Magnum. I don't know, figuring it out. In the woods, getting close. I think that would be a hoot and a half. Who knows, for my deer hunting, 
If my 284 comes in from Ultralight Arms, uh, we do in that one. Maybe I'll use my 257 Roberts, which I love dearly. Maybe even that new 270. Probably not the new 300 mag. That's probably going to end up with somebody else. Hey, it's right here. What do I want with that thing anyway? When we come back, we'll talk about a great company has been sold, but you're still going to be able to get their cool products. This is Gun Talk. I'm Tom Gresham.